0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen and Amy Just. Last time we were here, we were previewing a football game, talking about actual football games. A game happened.
1: Two games happened. Two games happened, We didn't preview the Iowa one. (laughs) I was
0: sick,
1: but that's okay. I'm better now. Yes, actual
0: actual games have been played. Amy has survived, so we're all good. Uh, But... We're not here to talk about games, are we? I mean, it's... Uh, not
1: yet. We've got a long way to yeah. go for that.
0: <laughs> it's, it's distant memory. You know, honestly, the, the season, which, first of all, I mean, it was a, a great win over Iowa. You got you to give credit to the team. But big, you know, big program-changing news, of course. Everybody knows Matt Rule officially introduced as Nebraska's next head coach. Um, stuff like this, for, for a lot of programs, only happens every once in a while. Nebraska's happened quite a bit in in recent memory changing coaches changing all new coaching staff but Matt Rule he's the new guy in charge at least for for a few years presumably Um, what's our initial reaction to that?
1: Uh, So for me like who knows if this is going to work or not Um, that's a column for another day we've got a lot of time to dissect this before spring football starts before you know summer conditioning and all of those things we've got a lot of time to do that but For me, and the point of the column that I wrote on the day of the press conference was that Matt is the perfect candidate for somebody who fits the mold that Trev Alberts wants for this job. He listed all of these characteristics that, you know, grinder, attention to detail, program builder, culture builder, like all of those type of things. And when you look at who the potential candidates could have been, like Matt rule is who fits what Trev wants. Um, will it work? I don't know. I hope so. I don't like coaching searches. They aren't fun. This was my third one of the year. I'm very yeah. tired of that. Um, and stability stability is good. Um, and that's not something that Nebraska's had for a very long time. And hopefully this will bring stability, uh, but we don't know yet. Lots of, lots of change right now, especially this week. As um, you learn more about... The new assistants, and we'll get into that, um, and which ones stay, which ones will have been let go, just a, a constant churn of that um, as uh, Matt Rule takes over and tries to make the program his own.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you you look at his track record, obviously. I mean, um, you know, recently coming off a couple of rough seasons there in the NFL with the Panthers, but not so much concerned about that with Nebraska, you're looking at his time with Temple and Baylor, I yeah, mean, yeah, building, absolutely. Up, building up these programs that were in a very bad spot like Nebraska is right now. So the track record that he has of doing that, and, you know, I, I just think his his status as a, a leader, I think everybody kind of saw that on display on Monday. If you, you tuned into that introductory press conference, you could see he was a guy that, you know, when, when he talks, people listen.
1: Yeah, and some of that, you know, comes from, you know, his dad is a preacher um, and that's a very, very specific cadence. Yep. Um, that preachers speak with, um, and he mimicked that very well. Uh, at points, I felt like I was at Sunday service. Um, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, you know, there's just a lot that's going to be going on this week, um, and we'll see how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, I thought, I thought another, you know, just point that I thought was really interesting is, you know, he he talked about how he didn't have to coach this year, him and his wife kind of had a plan, you know, maybe take a year off, you know, wait out, see what jobs open up. You know, he, he had earned that right as a fantastic college coach to, you know, wait and see. But the conversations that he had with Trev Alberts in particular, he said, my love for football was reborn, which is, is really interesting. I mean, you know, Alberts, just how passionate he is about this, this athletic program, especially a football program. He was a part of it, but to have that, that level of you know, conversation between them lead to this point. You know, this this coaching search is it was Trev Alberts. You know, baby. You know, it was something that was going to define his his time in Nebraska, and you know, to have that that play out the way it did and and land on Matt Rule. Their their relationship played a, a big factor in it.
1: Oh, absolutely, and um, it played a big factor in just. um Because they talked for a really long time. This was not a short thing. Um, By all accounts, it sounded like um, they had had some preliminary discussions even before Matt was fired. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all kind of knew how that was going to go. There were a lot of reports out there, accurate ones, um, that he was going to get canned
0: before the season was over.
1: And he did, and now he's here, and the NFL season still continues on. So
0: <laughs> for sure, I think he, he'd, he'd probably be uh, pretty fine with how things are working out, especially <laughs> based on some of the stuff we'll get to. But, you know, l- looking at this coaching search, um, you know, Trev Alberts revealed that he spoke with 13 candidates. I mean, how many the, the search firm brought back to him, how many was on a preliminary list, we'll probably never know. Um, but, you know, 25, thir- I believe. Yeah. Gotcha. Twenty-five, I think, is so, the number. So basically, double that. You know, whittle whittle that list down in half. Uh, but you know, thirteen candidates—that's a, a pretty good number. You know, Trev saying rule was always is one A. Whether that's true or not, whether that's you know, pumping up your candidate, you're not going to say anything other than that, obviously. But I think he very well might have been. You know, based on the qualities that that Trev Alberts was looking for, but in particular, this coaching search, like you said, I mean. There were, there were points in time where they didn't think it was going to get done. The negotiating, the kind of the, the three-way negotiating, that was something that Trev said kind of helped things up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's hard enough to come to a compromise between two interested parties. When you have a third party that's goals and interests are not exactly aligned with what the other two want to do, um, that can kind of throw some hiccups into things. And I think that... Um, is where those hiccups came um, yeah. in discussions. But they figured it out, um, and here we are. And it's a very interesting contract, uh, very interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, talking about that contract, um, it seems like they agreed to terms Thanksgiving morning. Rule was like, was it was it Black Friday? I mean, either way, it was very clear that those couple days were back and forth, and, I mean, they were – they're probably having a lot of conversations on those days, but the final agreement that they come to: eight years, seventy-four million dollars, with seven million dollars for the assistant coaches. Uh, Amy, as you nicely have laid out there on Twitter, Amy underscore Just. Uh, great, great content. If I do say so myself, uh, but you you laid it out. It is a, a back backloaded contract.
1: Yeah, and and that's not surprising. Just with, we, I don't know if we'll ever know how the Carolina Panthers wanted to play things out and how mm-hmm. they wanted to get things distributed um, but it looks like uh, now through the end of 2023 it's 5.5 million per year 2024 6.5 million per year um wait yeah 2024 6.5 million 2025. too many numbers i'm not good with (laughs) math uh 7.5 the next year 8.5 the next year 10 million the next year 11.5 million the next year 12 million and the next year 12.5 million and it runs all the way to 2030 which that's not a real year
0: (laughs) not a real year that
1: year no no um and then also throughout that There are four different um, vesting dates, Um, so, like, benchmarks that he hits on, like, March 1st of several years down the road. If he's still here, then that's an extra $1 million that he gets, and there's, like, four of those throughout the life of this contract. So, yeah, more um, deferred compensation is what that's called. And then, naturally, you have a bunch of different... um, incentives as well so like if they make the Big Ten championship game if they make it to a bowl game if they make it to a college football playoff like that's all like outlined in there so
0: yeah I think I think it's it's pretty smart way to lay out the contract especially when you're considering you know the the per year average I mean it's up there with you know being a top 10 national salary but the way that these coaching salaries have been increasing at at the college level, over the last you know five or whatever years, you know whatever time you want to put on it. I mean, looking at 2030, he's set to make 12 and a half million. Well, who knows? Who knows what the salaries are going to be like then?
1: I mean, I can venture a guess right now that that's not going to be in the top 25. Yeah. Just because you look at what's going to be happening in college football between now and then, you're going to have an expanding playoff. You're going to be having expanded big 10 for sure who knows what the sec is going to do what the big 12 is going to look like what the pack 10 at that point or less will look like um yeah there's just so many changing aspects about college football between now and 2030 that we may be looking at 12.5 and be like whoo what a discount which is like crazy (laughs) to think about right now um But with the new TV deals and all of the new money and all the more money that's going to be injected into the sport, yeah, in eight years' time,
0: that's going to be a pretty good deal, I think. For sure, and I mean, if he's very successful at Nebraska, I mean, it'll get reworked. You know, that's the the type of thing. So,
1: I mean, his deal at Baylor got reworked, like let then halfway through.
0: Uh huh. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, eight years, who knows how long it'll be before they take a look at that. But those are the numbers um, as they stand. And I, I also thought, you know, worth mentioning that Rule and his wife, they got the chance to, to sneak into Lincoln, get a little uh, a visit, you know, before they were officially, you know, deciding whether this was the place or not. Don't know exactly when that was. Heard it might have been the Minnesota game, but. Fits the criteria. Yeah. But either way, I mean that that means a lot to to see the place. I think that meant a lot to them as well. Um, but at the same time, you have all these different you know coaching candidates. Like I said, the thirteen, and you look at Wisconsin hiring Luke Fickle, a guy who was very well in the running, could have been you know one of those candidates for Trev Alberts. These two hires are just you know that they're going to be compared for the next few years, for eternity, for whatever. Um, so just a very interesting. I think, position for Nebraska and Wisconsin to be in.
1: Yeah, and I, I was surprised when they hired Fickle. I really, really thought Leonard would get the job. I really did. But alas, here we yeah.
0: are. I mean, my, my consideration for, for Fickle is, man, he's a, he's a great coach, as shown he can do a lot of good in the Big Ten, but, I mean, you, you kind of get the feeling when that Ohio State job opens up. I mean, he's, he's going to be one of those – top candidates no matter what, no matter what school he's at. I mean, there's always going to be that, that Ohio State looming for him, isn't there?
1: Yeah, but also, like, it's not surprising to me that he's getting out of where he's at. Because when you – I feel like there's going to be an even more active coaching carousel as the conferences change. Yeah, you're so, probably right, yeah. So, like, now he doesn't have to take Cincinnati – from the American mm-hmm. to the Big 12 and, like, adapt to that, like, that's not his problem anymore. Yeah. And then you have to believe that these are some things that these guys are thinking about, right? Like, coaches that are at programs in the, you know, old Power 5 but not in the Power 2 mm-hmm. type situation. Like, there's just going to be a lot of moving pieces, I think, in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, just because everybody knows where the money is, yeah, and it's it's not in the Big Twelve unless something drastically changes.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a good point. But with all those moving pieces, I mean, it's important to have a clear vision for the program. Yes, a clear identity, what you want moving forward, and that is what Nebraska is looking for with Matt Rule to establish that identity in the Big Ten. And he he talked a little bit. You know, we we got a sense of that vision definitely there on Monday. Um, in particular, one of those things that stood out to me was talking about just the, his involvement in the community, wanting to, to be a part of Lincoln, be a part of the Nebraska community. And, you know, he, he was saying, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know all of the traditions. You know, he doesn't know everything that has to do with, you know, being a Nebraska supporter, Nebraska fan, but he, he's going to learn. And what we've seen, you know, especially his time at Baylor, you know, Texas, it's a, a crazy, crazy, you know, football Football-driven area, of the country, rural. He's an East Coaster, you know, been there his whole life. And by the end of his time at Baylor, Baylor his connections around the state were incredible. People supporting him all over. He, he had a lot of goodwill there in Texas, and he's looking to build that up here, too.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, so far so good, right? He's only, you know, been around for a few days. But, I mean, Monday night he went to Carmela's for dinner with his family. I love Carmela's. Solid choice. Yeah. I love Carmela's. Yep, solid choice, So, yeah. uh You know, uh, 10 out of 10 on that. (laughs) Whoever gave him that recommendation knew what they were doing, for sure. So, but yeah, he's living up to some of the promises that he's made early. And, you know, some of them, we have no idea how those are going to turn out until, you know, September, October, November. Um, But he's keeping his promises on some things that he can uh, prove with receipts, at least right now, so.
0: For sure. And I mean, in terms of that on-field, philosophy or or kind of identity you know it it, you don't really want to dive into you know scheme stuff on day one like that so it was it was good to just give a little more general outlook and you know what he said was a little bit less spread stuff more traditional offense you know he mentioned he he ran the I formation you know fullback there at temple so love return return of the fullback (laughs) it's coming it's coming but
1: maybe um, (laughs) maybe don't get people's (laughs) hopes up if you can't promise it yet but yeah no it's uh I'd love that though.
0: Yeah, so I mean, he he's talking about some of this, you know, stylistic football that, that would fit in pretty well in the Big Ten. Um, in particular, he had a quote, we can celebrate the past, we can learn from the past, but we have to have an eye toward the future. Uh, so same thing, you know, with his different offensive philosophies, the stuff that's worked for him, Temple, Baylor, and then, you know, obviously changing the game a little bit, you know, at the NFL level, you got to adapt and do some different stuff. So he's going to pull that in, but... Like you said, you know you know that landscape of college football is changing. the big Ten is going to be changing, especially when UCLA and, and USC come in.
1: yeah and and that quote that you read off, like that doesn't just speak to me as something for like on the field specifically like that also like lends me to think about how Nil and the transfer portal yeah. um, because those were not a thing when he was at Baylor. So, you know, that's just a newness to the sport um, that he's going to have to get used to and, you know, didn't shy away from talking about. He actually talked a lot more about NIL than I thought he was going to, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting to me in a good way, Um, because so many coaches, regardless of sport um, these days, want to, you know, not talk about that, even though it's like a big contributing factor into how the sport of football, basketball, volleyball, all of, all of the sports, um, it's changing, uh, them and you can't shy away from it even if you would like to.
0: Yeah. And Matt Rule said nothing wrong with somebody wanting to get a little bit of money. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, he, he literally knows. Yeah. Cause
0: he's getting a little bit of money. Indeed. Indeed. Um, you know, the, the other thing too, about his vision, you know, talking about recruiting too, because that's a very big area. You know, under Scott Frost, the recruiting style of, you know, get these these fast athletic guys. You know, they they took a lot of chances. Um, just didn't pan out. Their recruiting style, the guys that they wanted to recruit, and of course, I mean, don't get me wrong, development is recruiting and development. I mean, it's hand in hand. Of course, I mean, it's two different things uh, that get to the same end goal. But you look at what Matt Rule says he wants to do, and he he talked about big, fast guys, even if they need development. So I think that's a, a notable thing, you know, that they're saying, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, where they are in terms of, you know, seeing the field day one or whatever. As long as they have those traits that they want, he's very confident that him and his staff will be able to, to develop those guys once they get in the building.
1: Yeah, and on that note, Another thing that he said that still sticks out to me is it's a philosophy that I've talked about on this podcast and everywhere else and anyone who will ever listen to me. Um, if you don't win at the line of scrimmage, yeah. you're not going to win. So I also expect an emphasis
0: on both lines. Without a doubt. And, I mean, he, he identified it. He knows he's a... He's a football guy, trademark football guy, right there. He yes. Knows. Yeah. So, and in regards to the recruiting radius, too, just briefly, you know, he mentioned locking down kind of that 500 miles around Nebraska, maybe a little bit more, you know, southern and east as opposed to, you know, north and west. But I mean, surrounding states for Nebraska, very important. And you mentioned, you know, some hotbeds of talent. I mean, Texas, Florida, New Jersey, uh, these places that you can look for a lot of really great college football prospects. That's what. That's what he's saying. He's looking forward to to recruiting those areas.
1: Yeah, and he's going to try to leave no stone unturned. He was talking about when he was preparing for the NFL draft when he was at Carolina. He's seeing these first, second round draft prospects coming out of FCS schools. He's like, "Nah, we want those guys here." So,
0: and he's he's gotten to work already. I think probably five, six, seven scholarship offers in you know three, four days. So, you know, he mentioned at the press conference that. Uh, a day after being fired by Carolina, he had college reach out and you know gauge his interest. So he's had a little bit of time to to dig into this recruiting class, which is good. You know you don't want to be starting on square one here with you know a week or two until things get really really crazy. But in order to do that recruiting, in order to get busy in the portal, which is coming up soon, you got to have a staff. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of movement. There's still a lot of pieces uh, to still get added to this puzzle, but Members of his coaching staff already in place, several of them, uh, starting on the offensive side of the ball. Marcus Satterfield, former South Carolina offensive coordinator, he will be offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. According to his Twitter bio, which I think is very, uh, very 2022, That we figure out this stuff officially when they get the Photoshop with the Nebraska uniform, when the Twitter bio changes, that's when you know it's official.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'll take it. Like, I hate waiting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> me too. So, yeah. But, yeah,
1: so that's uh, – and sorry, brain fart for a moment. So he will be replacing Becton and Whipple. Yeah. So as we can go through this, the guys that are obviously sure. without jobs mm-hmm. on the inverse of this. Um, quarterbacks coach, uh, Jake Peets. Um, that one's not quite official yet. No uh, no Photoshop and yep. changed uh, – Uh, Twitter bio yet Uh, for him currently with the Rams was a former LSU offensive coordinator Um, I did not cover him though this was uh, I was with the Saints then but um, good old Nebraska boy uh, former walk on Mm -hmm. here Um, he might take a special teams role not sure yet how that would work Um, but that would make sense for him Um, and uh, yeah we can continue on
0: Yeah, so running backs coach E.J. Barthol coming from UConn, um, really big recruiter, which losing Brian Applewhite, you need to have someone with those recruiting connections. And seems like, you know, whereas Applewhite, Texas guy, he's recruiting Texas, Barthol more the New Jersey area, the East Coast kind of connections that that Rule was going for. And a couple of those preliminary offers, the first ones Rule has, offered have been guys who were being recruited by Barthol guys he knows so he's going to play a very big very big part in that recruiting and also you know just going back to Pete's real quick I mean he has a very very impressive coaching resume for a guy who's under 40 I mean he's he's been an analyst at Alabama he's been all these other places in the NFL I mean he's he's really impressive for a for a young coach which was something Ruel said he wanted those young energetic coaches
1: yeah and I I, that helps like naturally you're going to connect with people um, who are closer to your age, right? Um, Kind of see the world through similar lenses. Maybe not the same, right, Uh, but similar. Um, And so we'll see. Um, But those are the only offensive coaches – oh, I say only – that have been figured out so far, so that leaves wide receivers and offensive line still yet to go as of 3 o'clock on – what day is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Today's a
0: Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: It's been a long week, long two weeks, guys. I've still got a little bit of the flu brain going on. Um, But, yeah, so that's really interesting to me. We still wait uh, to hear about the status of Mickey Joseph, of course. Um, That's a a key uh, uh, position there, recruiter there, person. Um, I think a lot of people, whether that be recruits or guys who are currently on the roster, are also waiting um, yep. before they make a decision um, to hear about the fate for Mickey Joseph, um, but yeah, so that's the the big one that's lingering still as we record here at just a little
0: after three on yeah, Wednesday. The the dominoes will fall soon after. That yes, I'm
1: constantly checking my phone <laughs> and I have not seen anything yet.
0: We've all got we got we got the alerts on. We're on panic stations. We're all ready to go, um, but defensively, you know, it, it's a few guys are are in place already. Defensive line coach Terrence Knighton, another long-term uh, rule associate, coached with them in Carolina, and defensive backs coach Evan Cooper, very similar, uh, going back to some time at Temple there as well. So those guys have been together for a long time. Linebacker coach still up in the air. Um, so it's just interesting to see how they're going to break down, you know, the, these different coaching assignments because. You know, you you do get only so many, you know, on-field coaches. So Ten on-field
1: coaches. And strength and conditioning does not count, I believe, as on-field coach. That comes out of a different pool. But still, so you have to think about how you want to configure. Do you want, like, two different defensive line, line linebackers guys? Do you want two, you know, defensive backs guys? I'm more in the thinking um, that you need two defensive backs coaches because – safeties and corners and nickels those are all so yeah. different and having only one guy really watching over that I mean as we saw here earlier this season that doesn't tend to work out very well so you wonder um how much the future defensive coordinator will play into mm-hmm. that and all of those things um no defensive coordinator yet
0: as yes well. that's the that's a big one that's that's a position where you want to find your guy and, and get to him but yeah you you bring up a good point I was just gonna say I mean. Do you want inside and outside linebackers, or do you want one guy just coaching all those linebackers? So we will see, but two other key members of the staff, um, special teams, Ed Foley, another longtime associate. He was actually at Temple for several years before Brule went there and was at Temple after he left, um, but joined his staff in Carolina as an analyst, and uh, he will be coordinating special teams, which of course means uh, the end of the road for Bill Bush at Nebraska.
1: Yeah, which is sad.
0: Yeah, tough. Oh, yeah. He, he gave a lot this year. That's for sure.
1: He did so much was asked of him. Yeah, um, and the defense made a remarkable improvement under his leadership. And I wish him the best.
0: Mm-hmm. And then a very big uh, kind of behind the scenes role. Again, not that on field coach, but strength and conditioning plays such a big factor. And rule opting to bring one of his guys, Corey Campbell, uh, worked with him at Baylor. Uh, That's where he got his start and followed to Carolina as well. So Zach Duvall out as Nebraska's strength coach, it'll be Corey Campbell.
1: Yeah, I am interested to see how that goes. I've done, you know, a little bit of research and it seems that, you know, Corey seems to know what he's doing and it'll be – it's a new age, of course, losing Duvall, but interested to see the the new chapter.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense just in the same way that you want to bring in your own coaches. I mean – the strength program is so important to, to fielding that product out there on Saturday. So you want to be totally aligned and, and that means bringing his guy, Corey Campbell, like we said. Well, I mean, that's, that's the staff as we know it next. Um, and the question is, you know, now that we've had this official Matt rule introduction, you know, what happens next? What are the next steps for, for him and his staff? And of course, filling those other, those other positions I think is, has got to be up there on the top of the list, but a very big week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever you want to call it, is coming up. And it, it all starts, I think, with, like you mentioned, the the Mickey Joseph decision that will impact a lot. But Rule and his staff, they'll be having a lot of conversations with the players this week.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it. so the transfer portal opens next week, I think. Next yeah. Monday. N- yeah, yep. next Monday. So, and with that, goes hand-in-hand with recruiting too because even though the early signing period isn't for several weeks, if you want to be committed somewhere, you should probably be committed somewhere (laughs) Yeah. because the portal changes so much when it comes to recruiting. Um, So I imagine that you will see some guys, uh, high school guys committing sooner than waiting until the end of the month because of the transfer portal and everything being so volatile right now. Yeah. Guys who haven't
0: committed already, I mean. Undoubtedly. And I think what's interesting, too, is rule already said that he's honoring all the, the commits in Nebraska's class, and those guys have all remained in for now. I mean, again, it's only been a couple days. They'll have and further some conversations. summer waiting for Mickey. Yeah. Especially as, as those positional coaches, too, if, if you're a guy. Um, so could be a lot of movement for what Nebraska already has in. And then, you know, the, the question is how much do they look to the Juco ranks versus how much do they look to, you know, traditional, you know, grab a, a high school senior, try to develop him for several years versus how much do you look to the portal? I mean, it's a, a big balancing act about filling your needs and there's, there's no easy one solution. I mean, they'll just, they'll grab the players, doesn't matter where they come from, really.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be another offseason of uh, tumultuousness. Um, in that regard, I would imagine. Yeah. Even more so maybe than last year.
0: For sure. I mean, you look at how the final game of, you know, 2021 versus the first game of 2022, I mean, it's a entirely new look roster, new look contributors, and same thing will will play out for that, that season opener in 23.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we still don't know a whole lot um, as far as guys who um, – want to leave. Uh, Trey Palmer did declare for the NFL draft, and Oshan Mathis is thinking about it. He's leaning that way, uh, but hasn't made a formal decision yet. He wants to talk to Mickey. And I think he speaks for a lot of people.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So we'll we'll keep our eyes on it, keep our ears to the ground. Um, again, stay tuned for all of these, these coaching changes, filling those spots as needed in the next couple days. And recruiting those offers will continue going out. Transfer portal, like you said, opens up on Monday, so a lot to do, not a lot of time for Matt Rule and his staff. But hey, I mean, these guys, these guys are grinders. Like Rule said, uh, part of the fun, I guess, for them is a, a crazy, hectic period like this.
1: No, yeah, there's no doubt about it, and it's not just football that's crazy right now. Volleyball tournament starts this weekend men's basketball plays Creighton women's basketball has two top 25 games this week it's crazy
0: yeah no I appreciate all of you uh multi-sport fans of the the podcast tuning in today we will have all of that volleyball and basketball talk here in the here in the next couple next couple days next week next episode will not just be uh a blast of of Matt Rule information although there. are there will be plenty still, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah. It's an never-ending process, so to speak, as things continue to evolve.
0: Absolutely. But I think that's uh, pretty much all we have, you know, breaking into the coaching search, talking about what we've learned this week. And like I said, appreciate all of you tuning in for, for our thoughts on, on Matt Rule being hired. He'll be hard at work here in the next couple of days, and we'll be following along. So stay tuned at journalstar.com. Appreciate all of you tuning in. For Amy Just, I've been Luke Mullen. Thanks for watching the Life in the Red podcast.